a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad Chris Taylor. It's Birth, Baby and Beyond and this is midwife Kath and I have with me the wonderful Chris Taylor. Hi, Chris. Pleasure to be here for another episode. How are you, Kath? Very well. And we are talking today about some options in birthing and there's a lot of things that new parents don't know about. And and this series has really been directed at helping men. Just give some bit more information. And as a man, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm finding it really, really instructive because I think there's such little information out there geared specifically to new dads or dads-to-be. And as someone who's just become a dad, um, I'm, I'm finding this, these, these episodes really valuable in learning I kind of wish we'd done this before <laughs> I had my baby. <laughs> well, you'll be right up. for the second one. Oh, if I have a second one, I'll be <laughs> yeah, well that's right. right. And yeah, it's so, again, ignorant dad that I was, I didn't realise just how many options there were. I know. Like you think, oh, we're having a child, we'll just go to the hospital. And, but no, there's about 10 different ways you can choose to have a birth and mm-hmm. we're going to go through them all to help you decide what works best for you. So the most common question people ask me is about public versus private and what does that entail? And even though we've got quite an uncomplicated health system, believe me, here in Australia, not a lot of people understand. Every Australian has a Medicare card which provides us to free public health. We also have an option of um, having health insurance, which is at very different levels. So... If you came to me today, Chris, and said, uh, we're just pregnant with our first baby, like, what do we do? The first thing is that you need to go and see the GP and get a referral. Mm -hmm. So if we're going in that direction, a referral from a GP to either a private obstetrician, to a midwife-run clinic, to a hospital clinic... So the GP usually is the the centre of community health. And I seem to recall our GP sort of spilling out all our various options for yes, us. Yes, yeah. that's right. And in some cases, some GPs can actually go through the process and care for the woman during the pregnancy. So if you go to an obstetrician, let's say, if you're going to a private obstetrician, the Medicare covers part of the obstetrician's bill. So if you go to a private obstetrician, you pay his account and or her account and have Medicare pay part of it. If you then go into a private hospital, if you have private insurance, they cover X amount of it. So it depends about the level of insurance that you have. You actually can buy the bed in a private hospital. So if you didn't have any um, health insurance and you wanted to go to a private hospital, you could go and see a private obstetrician, pay him or her, have some Medicare rebate and be cared for privately in a private hospital, but you pay for the hospital bed. How much would that cost? Well, look, it's thousands. Yeah. 
thousands. But the thing is, like, no one can tell you how you're going to give birth. So if you give birth and you're okay in four hours, well, you can go home and be cared for in the community by some midwives. But if you have a long labour and um, need a caesarean section, you've got theatre costs, you've got anaesthetists, you've got so many costs, plus you've got a stay in hospital, which is X amount of days. And that costs a lot of money. So, you know, you you can buy a bed. Even if you don't have private health? Absolutely. Then if you're with a, a GP, you go into a public hospital and, and the GP can care for you, or even you can have midwife care and have midwife care right through your pregnancy and birth. Midwives will look after you during the birth, which is fabulous. Uh, and they're the if best. They're, they're the best. Yeah. Cat, you oh, know. yeah. Well, that's. I'll tell you about my my career a bit later because it was just exactly what I and did. And you do hear stories of you know people who pay for the obstetrician and it's still the midwives who deliver the baby. With midwife care, a team of midwives will look after you as a public patient and follow through. In most cases, it's a really good set up here in Australia. Really good. I should put my hand up here, Kath, and say that that's the path my partner and I went down. We were in the public system supported by an outstanding team of midwives mm-hmm. and um, we couldn't speak highly enough of them or the process. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yep. Just fantastic. And that's that's my heart. You know, that's my, what I love doing the most in, you know, in my career, what I've loved doing the most. Uh, there's so many different ways of cutting the cake. So cake. many different, yeah. yeah, there's so many different ways. And there's no right or wrong, we should say. No, like, there's it, no right it, or for, wrong. For a lot of... For a lot of couples, it, it, it might purely be a, a financial consideration, you know, depending sure. on how much they earn. Others might just want the peace of mind of their own private obstetrician. As I said, I can't, I, I can't speak highly enough of the public experience we had. And I guess, I guess the, the two main questions I think most couples ask when they're considering private versus public is, what do you get in the private system that you don't get in public and secondly, how much will it cost me? Okay, so what you don't get is that you don't have an, a trained, experienced obstetrician looking after you all the time. That's what you don't have. You have midwives instead. Or a GP. Or a GP. Yeah, or a registrar, you know, a training doctor. And that's what midwifery is all about. As far as, you know, the, the process of pregnancy, what midwifery is about is caring it actually means with women. And so what we do during pre- the pregnancy is is look and evaluate and care and make sure the mother and the baby are both well. Because if you're well and the baby's well and the mother's well and, and blood pressure and everything, there's no reason why you need a doctor. So in that situation, you know, some women are low risk and they still go to an obstetrician it's also a familial thing, for, um, Chris, that, you know, like it's a, everyone in the family goes to Dr. Yes, Dr. Brown. So, you know, he's, he's... He's our family doctor. He delivered our grandchildren, our he children. He delivered and, me. Yeah, yeah. When they go, he delivered me. I'm like, ugh. I know. You know? <laughs> go, maybe you should retire if you deliver. I know. <laughs> like, that's right. <laughs> You're 40. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's a personal thing for many families, obviously. Yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. And as a midwife, I'm doing that. You know, I've, I've delivered babies. For generations of families, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, health insurance is, it's expensive and some people just, it's just that extra bit more expensive than that they can afford. And that's why public health in Australia is so fantastic. 
My advice is, like, speak to friends who've gone through both and pick their brains, do your research. As I said, I we went through the public system and had an extremely positive experience. And my wife and I actually came out of it, you know, at the other end with our bub and said, I can't imagine how that could have gone any better. Like, what, what what would we have got in the private system had we paid X thousands of dollars? For women going into a public hospital, it doesn't mean they're not going to be looked after well because, you know, we are talking another time about preeclampsia. So if your partner got preeclampsia and was very sick... A midwife's not going to look after you all the time. You know, you're going to have a, a specialised obstetrician looking after you because there's certain things that they need to do. And if there's fetal distress or maternal distress or both, whatever reason, and there needs to be a cesarean section, well, you know, like midwives aren't going to do that. And that's where public health is fantastic. You're not going to know the doctor, but does that matter? It's about you both being well alive and happy at the end of the day. The private versus public is the big first choice. Then then it comes down to the type of birth you want. And I guess the most common type, and you can, you know, all of these types we're going to go through today, Kath, you can do in private or public, obviously. Uh, vaginal birth, I guess, is the most common. Talk us through vaginal birth. The thing is that you, you can't request it. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't think, oh, I'm going in to have a vaginal birth because that's what I want to. And that's why birth plans become very contentious because I've seen birth plans laminated so they can be read in the shower and and it may end up with a, um, a cesarean section because, you know, the baby's distressed or the mother's yes. distressed or both. I mean, we don't give a shit about the birth plan. The birth plan. No, we, we were actually advised not to draw up a birth plan because there was a guarantee you would not stick to it <laughs> on the day itself. You know, all of this is about choice. And I think put birth plans aside, if if women and men are given a choice of where they feel comfortable and safe, it just, it whatever outcome, it just feels better. I was very surprised. My next door neighbour, their daughter is, lives in England and she's just given birth. And I was really surprised to learn how common home birth is in the UK, whereas oh, in Australia yeah. it's mostly hospital birth. Yes. But home yes. birth is the norm over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the, but the whole system is geared around it. What are the, what are the cons? Like what, what are the, why, why wouldn't you have a home birth? Well, the phrase that I've, I always say that things happen, things happen quickly and they're not good things that happen in childbirth. And that's... You can't predict, you know, you can't predict how anyone's going to give birth or if you're going to have a postpartum hemorrhage of 2,000 mils. Someone bleeding that much in a, at home, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not good. Another option some couples have available to them is water birth. Now, can you talk, why would a couple want to have a water birth? Well, water is one of the greatest pain relievers in childbirth. To push in a tub of warm water. It certainly helps the perineum soften up. And um, look, there's so many pros to it. I, I could just sit here all day saying how great it is. But it goes back to that same issue of the hospitals don't want that though, you know, because it's it's labour intensive. They take time and it takes, it's, there's a bit of risk and, you so know. they're slower. And, and I guess whereas there's many beds in a hospital maternity ward, there's probably only one or two hot baths. 
Well, yes. And, you know, if they're, they're not being purpose built anymore, like having a big bath in the labour room, which would be ideal. There's a lot of things that I would, if I had my chance to put a wish list, it would be for all rooms to have a big tub, a big bath, right. you know, accessible showers and because that's the way I've I've helped women birth for 40 years. And, um, you know, once you tend to go into that sort of intervention, it's just sort of like a bit of a roll downhill, you know, and women feel like they tend to lose a little bit of control in, you know, in a sort of mainstream hospital. Mm. Okay. So water birth gets the big tick from midwife Kath. <laughs> yes. Now, another type of birth, Kath, of course, is cesarean or C-section. Mm-hmm. This would be something that's not so much a choice as something that might be medically advised? Both. It is a choice. These days, and I'd say, you know, the last 10 years because, you know, spinal anaesthetics or an epidurals are so good now and the anaesthetists who do it are so good. So, again, in the 70s, pre that, the, the, the surgery was a big risk to have surgery. So that's why it was always put off and... Where I think it's great that women have a choice to have a cesarean section. And even though one part of me is saying I love water births and, and natural childbirth, but, you know, it's a choice. And women, there, there are some women who have a pathological fear of labour. I think we all have some, you know, some fear at some level, but that there's, you know, some women have been sexually abused. Some women have developmental issues. Like there's so many things that there is that fear. And a lot of the work I've done and an obstetrician who I worked with a lot was great and listened to women. And some women had an elective caesarean section for a reason that is no one's business. Pros and cons of caesarean section? Well, it's major abdominal surgery, but really women recover very quickly. It's also, you know, vaginal uh, vaginally, when a baby comes out, their lungs are sort of squeezed, so they've got a lot of that um, amniotic fluid squeezed out. For women, it's, you know, again, it's surgery, but again, these these days, you can have a caesarean section, you can be home in two or three days. Not like when I started, it was like two weeks women were in hospital. Right. That's not that long ago, whereas, you know, now they can be in and out and home being cared for by a community midwife. So caesarean sections are not the easy way out either. You know, some people think, oh, gosh, it's so much easier having a caesarean you section. You bypass well, child- all the labour pains. and yeah. yeah, childbirth either way is full on. And uh, you still have the same reaction emotionally. But, you know, you don't have a sore vagina, but you have, you know, an abdominal wound. Yeah. But when you're in that position where you've got your child's distressed and it's like, Jesus, I don't care what you do. <laughs> Cut my legs yeah. off at the same time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Get, it, get so, the child out and get it safe. Yeah. yeah. So it's not an easy way out for anyone. It can be very traumatic for some women and, and men to, to have a cesarean section when they've they've had a plan to do this. And and that's what when we talk about birth plans and, you know, what we want and all that, we, we've got to be realistic that you don't know until, you know, till it's happening. So you, yeah. You you've, just you've don't got to know. be fluid in the moment, don't you? You have to. You, you have to trust and you have to trust your medical people because no one's going to sit around and say, I know you want a vaginal birth, so we're just going to keep on going even though your baby's very distressed. No one's going to do that. Yeah. You know, we're going to get out and we'll talk later about it, you know. Can you speak to uh, sort of anecdotally, just sort of based on a lot of people I 
know who've given birth in the last five years and also what I've been reading in the media. I'd like to your insights on these media reports that cesarean births are on the rise and that mm-hmm. a lot of doctors almost preferred, or obstetricians this is, prefer doing them because they're a lot more controllable, a lot more knowable, and they're less open to litigation if something goes wrong in a vaginal birth. Is, is this just sort of rumour mongering or is there something to this? So there certainly is more cesarean sections, but it's because, you know, the anaesthetists are so good, the, the epidurals and spinal anaesthetics, everything has improved. So yes, and we know more about women while pregnant. We know more about the baby in utero. So comparing now to 20 years ago, absolutely there's more cesarean sections, but babies and mothers are alive. And also having a cesarean section is not the easy, easy way out for a doctor anyway, like it's surgery. And and at the end of the day, we're going to do what's right. Yes. You know, no one's going to take an easy way out. It's just it's just not done. And I've been around for a long time. I've known a lot of doctors and I've never heard anyone have that approach or think that or even say that, right. you know. Yeah, great. It's, it's just about being safe. And some women are very disappointed if they have a cesarean section, Chris, you know, like really disappointed. So we've looked at vaginal birth, we've looked at water birth, we've looked at cesarean birth. I guess the other final major type of birth, I know there's lots of sort of subsets and sort of more fringe options, but the fourth major option would be scheduled induction. Talk talk to us about that. Induction of labour, again, is a very important part of obstetrics. And what I've repeated a few times is that when things happen in obstetrics, they happen quickly and they're not good. You know, like bad things can happen. So we know more about the pregnant body and the mother and the baby. So some women might be induced at 36 weeks because the longer you leave a baby in utero with an at-risk or a high-risk pregnancy, you've got a high risk of things happening. Also, these days, we have more women who are older having babies, which is wonderful. But this is a young girl's sport, labour. It's a young girl's sport. The older women get, the higher the risk. And um, look, I've had so many women saying, I don't want to hear that. Well, you know, you've just got to hear that because the risks get higher the the older we get. So with induction, it's done for, let's say, um, a, a maternal reason maternal age, maternal blood pressure, other medical issues, diabetes. But that's when you worry about women who have a choice. I don't want any intervention. I don't want this. I don't want that. We don't want to do it either. Like, but we want you to be alive and we want your baby to be alive and well. There's a fringe group that sort of anti-establishment and anti-medicine and anti-obstetrics and anti-intervention, which I am too. But we have to be sen- sensible because, you know, we've got these lives, two lives we're looking after. And I guess that's sort of, you know, the, the message I'm getting from this episode is that, yes, we have all these choices when it comes to our birthing options. But 
you can draw up the plans and have all your priority preferences, but at the end of the day, you're going to be pretty foolish if you don't take the advice in the moment from the health professionals. And you've got yep. to be very prepared to be flexible to tear up that birth plan and say, nope, we're going with what the doctor says or with what the midwife says. Yeah. Some people don't. Some people don't. I've, I've got a million stories that will, you know, it just, you can't believe it. And I've heard doctors say, okay, I've given you the information. You've got to get up and go to another doctor because I'm actually not going to do it. Like right. I'm not going to do what you're saying because you safe. are at risk. Yeah. You're at risk. You're going to die or the baby's going to die. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a part of that. And I wonder yeah. if that's somewhere, you know, this is this whole podcast is about what can the men do to better assist and I wonder if some women and mothers-to-be get so emotionally attached to their ideal birth or their, yes. their dream scenario that yes. they're not necessarily, you know, and they're highly hormonal and they're, they're contractions and all of that. I wonder sometimes the, you know, the, the, the more um, measured man in the situation, the partner, is the one to say, honey, listen to the experts. This is what we're doing. This is, yep. We want to keep you alive. We want to keep the baby alive. Yep. I know you wanted Coldplay playing in your yep. bathtub, or, but I think we need to save the baby now. And is, yep. that, is that sort of sound yep. advice that, for uh, something the man can usefully do in the labour oh, ward? Oh, yeah. Yep. And that's also about good antenatal care, Chris, with partners attending, which partners are fabulous now. It wasn't part of antenatal care, but, you know, this is what we talk about in antenatal care. Like if you get to this point, like we're going to make a decision and it's not the doctor wants to go and play golf. It's not about that. It's about your health, your life and your baby's life. And it just has to be done. And I think because as women, we're in the moment in pain and feeling you're just all over the place in your head, even though you can hear everything that's said, that's where men who I've dealt with have been amazing. They've just said, okay, I get it. It's not what we want, but this is what you have to do. It's no longer like, a choice. Listen, yes. listen to the experts. And I've been in many births where I've been a support person and I've had men look at me like, what do you think? I'm like, you listen to the doctor. This is what we're good at. We're not here to make sure you have a vaginal birth. We're here to have a live, healthy mother and a live, healthy baby. It's not that long ago when 10 women died a year in Victoria from childbirth. It's not that long ago. Imagine that. So this episode, we've, we've looked at the choice of private versus public. We've looked at the options of birth, the four main ones being vaginal birth, water birth, caesarean birth, or induction. I guess the last choice and things for couples to discuss is that old perennial one, Kath, natural birth versus the drugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, a personal choice. And again, it, what you decide six months out might be different to game day. Yes. Talk us through those, that choice that a, that a couple yep. needs to make. So pain relief is that, that labour is so painful. Like, it's just so painful that that we, we're conditioned to think, if I've got a headache, I need Panadol to get rid of it. Mm. And abs there's two things that get rid of, gets rid of pain in labour. One is an epidural and the other one is having the baby in your arms. Right. All right. 
nothing else. Morphine goes in through the, into the muscle, absorbed into the blood system, right through to the baby. So you've got the, the you know, the baby being um, respiratorily depressed from, um, you know, having, you know, whack of morphine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't take all the pain away. The gas um, is a really good um, uh, tool to use because you can hold on to it and you can and it gets you breathing and, yeah. it, and it puts your head in la-la land for a couple of seconds, you know, but it doesn't take the pain away. Um, water is is great and helpful, but doesn't take the pain away. So, um, you know, if you want to have a pain-free labour, and I've looked after plenty of women who have um, booked in to be induced, had an epidural first, and then induced for labour, had the baby, and never felt a thing after birth after birth. Right. And you know what? Isn't that great that we can offer that? Mm. Um and, you know, other women don't want any pain relief, and that's great too because I really think in 2023 we're in a really good position as midwives definitely and doctors that we've, we, we can offer all of that, all of the above. And it doesn't, nothing means failure. You know, having a cesarean section doesn't mean failure. Having drugs doesn't mean failure. Having an epidural doesn't mean failure. It's about a live, healthy mother and baby at the end of the day all the time. Um, and and I've, I had a cesarean section and um, I can remember someone laughed at me and I'm like, oh, what's wrong? And she said, it's so funny you had a cesarean section. I'm like, oh, well, no, my son was distressed. So, And she said, no, that you're so into natural childbirth and you ended up having a caesar. I'm like, that's not a nice thing to say to any mother, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it really, I mean, I mean, I understood what you're saying and it, it was just a stupid thing to say. But that's the mentality of some people thinking that, you know, Caesar's an easy way out or, you know, you're not a real woman unless you've had a vaginal birth. And, you know, some people still think that. And some people think you're not a real woman unless you have a natural birth. And sure. I, I never quite understand that because, like, almost every other thing you go to a hospital for, like if you're having shoulder surgery or heart surgery, of course you're taking the anaesthetic. I always go... Like this is this is how men think about it. We go, if if you know labour is the most painful thing you'll ever experience, why wouldn't you take the thing that removes the pain? The same way with the lot. Yeah. yeah. Why? I mean, if, if if men gave birth, we'd be having epidurals before we'd even left home. We'd be totally, <laughs> totally. So it's. I mean, it's it's noble. There are some women who want to go natural. I never quite get it. Like, why you say no to the thing that will remove the atrocious pain? Well, I think. That I understand that very well because coming from that position myself as a career and looking after so many women and, and thinking that and wanting that myself, it's because you think nat- labour is a natural part of your body and it is, you know, it's a part. Of, and But when, when you get to the point in labour where you think it's actually your baby's life, you know, or your life or both, well, you know, like it's it's a no brainer, uh, and it's all it's all good for and well for people to criticise and you know and make comment to women who have had a cesarean section or have an elective cesarean section. It's actually no one's bloody business. Yeah, it's your own medical business. It's got nothing to do with anyone because it's it's a discussion between you and the doctor. 
um, and you and your midwife. And, you know, it, it's not about easy, easy way out. It's about life. And this yeah. is this is a really interesting question when it comes to the the whole crux of this podcast, which is about how can the man be more involved and as, as supportive as possible in his partner's journey. I reckon these choices, which are so personal, I I wonder, is this an instance that you should just leave the mother of the child to make the choice herself? Because is it unhelpful to have an imposing male partner say no, no, no? We're not having drugs. Where you're going to do it natural. If if the woman um, wants to do it, her I, I just reckon this is one him. area where the guy should back off, and it's the woman's call because she's the one going through it. But sometimes it's not the woman's call either, Chris. It's the doctor's call. Of course, of course. But well, it, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yes, like, yeah. But but between the couple, where where most things we've discussed on this podcast, we're kind of all for going through it together. Uh, this, for me at least, personally, was an area that I said, honey, this is absolutely your call. Yep. I'm not going to have any opinion. I just want you to be as comfortable as possible. Mm. You know, yes, I agree. As a couple, it's your plan that you come up with. That's where birth plans are and have been, you know, in the, in the past. But at the end of the day, it's the doctor's call. And that that is very difficult for some um women and men, that it is the doctor's call. I've heard a woman who had a stillborn for her first baby and the doctor said, you need to have a cesarean section for your second. And she said, I don't want one. And he's like, you've got to be joking. Like, you've had a dead baby. Like, this is going to give you a life. And it took a lot of work for that to process. So, you know, as, as patients, when we go into hospital, you know, we're quite accepting of being a patient in a hospital, you know, for a medical condition. But with labour, people come in expecting that they have to make the decision. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like you have to make the decision whether right. you have a vaginal birth or whether you have forceps or not. It doesn't happen like that. It's a medical decision by by doctors and midwives who are looking after you because we know that if you've got a distressed baby and you're two centimetres dilated, you're not going to push your baby out, we promise you. And the way you're going to get a live baby out is to have an emergency cesarean section. So, you know, there's all of these um, uh, possibilities that can happen and and no doctor or midwife's going to say, okay, we'll give you another six hours, you know, if that's what you want. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, does just, that sound like added? No, does no, that sound? No, I, I just, I, I just sort of really noting that, you know, we talked at the top of this episode about how we're going to run you through all the choices. And yes, you do have choices, private versus public, yes. home birth versus hospital. Uh, but those choices only go so far. You'll reach a point where the choices stop and you, you can have a plan, but at, at the end of the day, just listen to your doctor, listen to your midwives. And trust. Yeah. Because if you go in for heart surgery and your doctor says, well, you know, go running around on the second day or, you know, we won't give you any anaesthetic for heart surgery because you want to do it naturally. It's like, it just doesn't happen like that. And obstetrics is the same. Do you know what we've learnt? We've learnt because we've got bloody hindsight and we've got experience and we and we know what has happened if we leave women labour too long. It's not good. Kath, 
Thank you for mm. this reality check. Very emotional. Thank you. This. I really feel strong about these choices. I can and, tell. You know, and yeah. I, I love the passion and I love the uh, the hard truths. But mm. I also thank you for running us through the various birthing options available. And I hope everyone can join us again for the next episode when we're going to look at how to prepare for the big day of the pub's <laughs> arrival. Mm. Uh, that is next time on... Birthday Bin Beyond with midwife Kath and Chris Taylor. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. <laughs> Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth. And music by Matt Nikolic.